Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your Turkish Grand Prix race review in which we will discuss Valtteri Bottas winning for the 10th time in his F1 career and maybe his last, a wet race of tension and tyre tactics. Plenty of teas there. A stellar drive from the back of the grid for Carlos Sainz Jr. And more. My name is Adam. I'm your host. And as ever, we are joined by our good friends and F1 analysts, Joe and Jimmy. How are we both getting on on this fine Monday afternoon? Very well, thank you. Yeah, be good to talk about the race. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. So yeah. Good. And you, Joe? Excellent, thanks. Super. We've just join Jimmy and Joe after their lecture so they they can be very analytical and academic on the whole matter as usual anyway what are we going to rate this race wasn't a classic was it considering it was raining we'll start with you Joe I'll give it a five it wasn't boring there were some good drives from you know some decent overtakes good battles but at the end of the day nothing really sort of unfolded especially when you compare it to other races in 2021 definitely yeah and what about you jimmy um yeah i'd probably go the same uh five it promised a lot i thought with the sort of uh weather conditions it would have been nice if there was a, a crossover between the wet and dry i'm not sure why that didn't happen um but yeah f- five for me um it didn't really go as i was Uh, expecting i thought it'd be a bit more interesting absolutely it it seemed from friday when we knew that hamilton was going to take his engine penalty and start at best 11th um and we knew that mercedes were were quicker than rebel that it was going to be quite an interesting race throwing a bit of rain and you thought oh this could be quite good it was one of those that was always building into something that never materialized and that was the case i think the reason that the track didn't dry up was because it was simply very cold and and a gloomy day in Istanbul. But it had a lot to live up to after the craziness of the last race in Turkey. And it looked like there was a whole lot more grip. I know that it didn't look like the tarmac had that much more grip when I, I gave my preview for this weekend. But it was great to see them go in full tilt through turn eight and it, it's a great racetrack. So while it wasn't a classic, it, it was still interesting to watch and many talking points and we'll get into that now. Let's begin with our biggest winner. And I've got to start on my end because it's Valtteri Bottas. He won the race. It's his 10th win, as I said, and potentially his last because you can't really see him been in the lead of another race and not getting out of the way of Lewis Hamilton if Hamilton's in second position with six races to go and a tight title fight. But this was probably one of his best races, wasn't it, Joe? Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you as well. He was my biggest winner as well. Um, And he just controlled the race, really, led from the front, you know, held Verstappen at about sort of three seconds for quite a while. And then towards the end of the race, just started to pull away. Um, so very well controlled, no issues for him. In, in difficult conditions and conditions that Bottas hasn't handled well in the past, um, you know, one of his biggest criticisms of the driver has been how he's performed in the wet, particularly thinking about Turkey last year. And he put all that behind him, put in a good performance and controlled the race. 
Especially when you're going head-to-head with Verstappen, who is seen as a rain master. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the the cold conditions and, and just slippery were suited to his, his rallying skills and, and his upbringing in Finland. Mm. Plus, I, I don't know if you saw this, but it was World Porridge Day. Yes. So it was inevitable that Valtteri Bottas was going to win the race, as, of course, porridge and coffee power him to the pace that he produces. Anyway, Jimmy, who was your biggest winner this weekend? Um, I'd have to agree with you both. So I would say Valtteri Bottas. Um, It's been a difficult season for him. Um, He hasn't really set the world alight. Uh, I know Verstappen's got a better car this year and and obviously Lewis is a fantastic teammate. Uh, But nonetheless, it hasn't been his best season. So I thought that um, him having the win here, um, he... He deserves it, to be honest. Um, It would have been a shame if it was his last season in Formula 1 without a win. Not last season in Formula 1, last season at Mercedes um, without a win. Um, So yeah, I'm happy for Bottas and he drove a a superb race. And it was a popular win, wasn't it? I I don't know if you saw after when Ted Kravitz was interviewing him, but but the crowd on the pit straight were chanting his name, going Bottas, Bottas. Yeah, I'm not going to carry on. But you get the idea. <laughs> and he went out onto the pit straight and kind of had a moment with them. And that, that was quite cool. And it was nice to see that Lewis came out despite his frustrations on the race. We'll get onto that later uh, for the team photo. And Toto was there spraying him with champagne before the photo was taken. He jumped the gun there. <laughs> it, it was just really nice. I think a good result in terms of Mercedes from a family perspective, if you like, um, but also for his confidence as well. He's a great driver. We all know that, and now we see proof of that too. And he probably could have won in Italy had he not had the uh, engine penalty. Let's not forget what a performance he put in there. So really good news for Valtteri Bottas, and it's an oddity, really, that we've all agreed on something mm-hmm. with our biggest winner this weekend being Valtteri Bottas. One more thing before we move on. and I wanted to have a quick chat about Valtteri's future employer because I don't know if you two have seen, but there seems to be rumblings of Andretti Motorsport buying about 80% shares in, in Sauber and, and therefore the Alfa Romeo F1 team. That could be quite a turn up for the books, couldn't it, if... If they get some extra funding, Bottas could be kind of the leading driver in in a proper American team in F1 rather than a, a bit of a joke team in the former <laughs> pass. No offence to um, Gene at all, but, you know, that could be quite cool, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. I think it's always, I mean, the more competitive teams, the better. You don't want to have any teams sort of just trundling around at the back. Treading water. You know, not really. Yeah, exactly. So the more teams that we can have, you know, the bigger the midfield is, I suppose, the better. So, yeah. What about you, Jimmy? Have you got anything to add? Uh, yeah, it would be uh, very interesting. Uh, Andretti's obviously uh, a massive company. Um, it. So I think it's taking part in um, Formula, not Formula E, um, Extreme E. And Formula E. And Formula E. So yeah, uh, they're a great team, lots of racing pedigree. uh, And it's brilliant. As well as IndyCar. Indeed, NASCAR as well, probably. Yeah, so um, it's great that it's sort of opening up to uh, a wider audience and it maybe get uh, a bit, bit more American fans interested in the sport too. 
Well, yeah, I, I think that Sauber have an interesting decision to make and they'll probably be in talks with Andretti at the US Grand Prix in two weeks' time. Uh, but they were looking up until these rumours kind of floating, were floating about like they were going to choose Wanyu Zhou as the driver to replace Antonio Giovinazzi and go alongside Valtteri Bottas. So they either have the decision of going in that route, trying to expand in the Chinese market, or going for the US route, which seems to be expanding anyway um, with Netflix and everything else that's going on um, in, in terms of Formula One. So it's, it's an interesting one because a lot of sports companies, look at Tottenham Hotspur, for example, they're looking to expand into that Asian market with things like, uh, what what's it called? What's that documentary called with Amazon? Uh, all or Nothing. Yeah, that's it. With All or Nothing. So Turned out just to be nothing. But... <laughs> it did. But this isn't a football podcast. However, it could be interesting on the horizon. So I, I couldn't not talk about that. Let's move on then. Jimmy, who's your biggest loser this weekend? Uh, Lewis. Simply because I thought him starting 10th or 11th, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he could um, have a really good race, maybe onto the podium, uh, but it didn't really plan out for him. I had really high hopes at the start, you know, when he was sort of did that amazing move on, I think it was Sonoda, yeah, around the outside. Uh, and then that brilliant battle with Perez. I thought he'd probably get past Perez, but uh, yeah. but unfortunately he didn't. Uh, and he ended up finishing fifth. Uh, which isn't sort of what he needed. He's only six points behind Verstappen, but it's not what he needed. Um, to be honest, it would have been great if he f- finished on the podium. Um, however, having said that, you know, at least he still got decent points. And, you know, if he stayed out on the slick immediates, I think people are calling them, um, where sort of all the treaders worn off, um, he would have been in a worse situation. So I think um, he the, the team made the right decision to bring him in. Um, at lap 50 I think it was yeah so Hamilton like everyone else was on intermediate tyres and him and Leclerc they tried to brave out a bit longer rather than pitting along with the rest of them to see if they could maybe make it to the end or even go on to dry tyres if the track were dry as we saw with Sebastian Vettel though slick tyres were not the way to go at all this race it just never became a reality and it was only Esteban Ocon, actually, that managed to do the whole race distance on one set of tyres. And he was really dropping off towards the end. So it could have left Hamilton vulnerable to the likes of Gasly and even Lando Norris, had he have stayed out. I don't know, though. That 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 was the thinking. Um, do you reckon that Hamilton could have held on if to a charging Perez, Joe? It's hard to it's it's hard to know what state his tires were in because I mean, Lewis is known to be one of the best on the tires of the grid along with Perez. Um, we saw what they did last year; they just sort of outlasted everyone else on those tires, and that's why they finished first and second. But Lewis had obviously had to push very hard early in the race, so he could have had poor condition tires. We we just don't know what would have happened. I know Ocon lost a lot of time at the last few laps. But if Lewis's tyres were in slightly better condition, um, then maybe he could have hung on to third. We just don't know when his tyres would have hit that cliff. It's a good point that you raised there in terms of him using up a lot of his tyres life, trying to fight his way through the pack. So Noda put up a great fight and 
you almost think that he was treating uh, the back of that Alpha Tauri like the back end of a donkey. He, he was nervous not to have a collision mm-hmm. with Yuki, but he still managed to find a way past him. And there was a great battle that we'll get into in just a few moments' time between Hamilton and Perez. I might have given too much away already there. <laughs> but we'll go into Joe's biggest loser. Do you agree? Was it Hamilton, the biggest loser? It's a solid argument, but I've gone for Fernando Alonso. Um, I think after qualifying, you know, and Lewis's penalty starting fifth, um, we all know what Fernando can be like at the start. You know, I was somewhat expecting him to be first coming out of the first corner. Um, And I think a lot of people had him on as an outside chance for a podium. Um. Got hit by Gasly, not Gasly's fault. I don't know what's going on with that penalty. Um, but, yeah, um, obviously that ruined his race. Called Gasly an idiot and then did something worse to Mick Schumacher. So I don't really know what was going on there. Um, but, yeah, just and just couldn't get back through the field. Ended up placing in the middle of nowhere. No points, no podium. Not ideal. Not a happy Alonso. Yeah, well, that that's a compelling argument, and I nearly did say Alonso, but I felt too sorry for Pierre Gasly not to call him the biggest loser. Not because he did a bad job, he did a brilliant job all weekend. I did think, yes, he's not an idiot, and he didn't really do anything to deserve that. I, well, I want to ask you the, this question. Do you see anything different in terms of Alonso going round the outside of Gasly in that corner to Hamilton going around the outside of Verstappen at Imola or Monza and no penalty being given. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the penalty's ridiculous, to be honest. I mean, he, I mean he's got... Because he's, he's got the two penalty points as well, um, which yeah. basically means he's got the same penalty that Bottas and Stroll got for wiping out half the field in Hungary, where... I mean, I don't know where people expected Gasly to go. It seems as though the stewards have put Gasly fully to blame in that situation because usually they're fairly lenient with first lap collisions like that, aren't they? Yeah. So it is an odd one. Do you think that in any way the stewards were uh, swayed by Alonso's criticism of them last time out? That was that was one of my first thoughts. To be fair, but you'd like you'd like to think that uh, that stewards would be capable of coming to their own decisions. But yeah, it's a really poor decision in my opinion. So maybe the biggest loser wasn't Pierre Gasly. It was the FIA mm-hmm. and, and the stewards <laughs> for that decision. <laughs> anyway, there were plenty of losers in those tricky conditions, and there's three of them: Hamilton, Alonso, Gasly. Oh, and the bonus one of the stewards, so make that four. My maths obviously isn't a strong point as it used to be, if it ever was. <clears throat> anyway, the next part of this show, as ever, is the moment of the race, and I did allude to it earlier, so I'll just say mine. It's got to be the battle between Hamilton and Perez. It was hard, it was fair, but it wasn't over the top. Great defending by Perez, not giving up on that position. Hamilton doing as much as he can without risking the championship and losing points with someone who he knows is going to put up a difficult fight. Perez has to play that number two role for Red Bull. That's why they hired him and he did it. 
by holding off Hamilton in a brilliant battle that reminded me of Hamilton versus Button in 2010, uh, which we probably discussed. I think we did discuss that in the last podcast. So thoughts on that moment, first of all. It was a fantastic battle. I thought Lewis was was ahead, to be honest, by the um, just before going into those final three corners. I thought, oh, he's got the move done. But Perez did really well getting back alongside. And uh, it was just a really, really good battle. It's the kind of racing we want to see. He almost went into the pits. He was that far wide. Yep. Perez going into the final corner. But, yeah, he managed to get that inside line back for turn one and hold on to that position and it turned out to be crucial because it gave Verstappen a chance to pit for fresh ties ahead Mm -hmm. so incredibly important from Perez Uh, conservative from Hamilton and Mercedes that was probably the word of the day really conservative until it came to them not pitting and then pitting but ultimately conservatism might prevail I'm not a Tory, though. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, what was your moment of the race or weekend? Yeah, that, that battle was immense. Uh, it was only about three corners long. Um, but yeah, it was uh, yeah clean racing as well. Look what happens when two drivers give each other room. They don't crash. Maybe Perez should give some advice to Verstappen at some point on how to race cleanly. Um, but yeah, great, uh, great battle. What were you going to say there, Joe? I'm not going to say anything. Okay, well, why don't you tell us what your moment of the weekend was then? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say the um, Carlos Sainz opening few laps um, was my moment of the week, just because I wanted to be a bit different. Um, so, yeah, it was just... A, uh, you just get a replay at the end of each lap of Carlos going past another car. Um, and there were some really sort of... They weren't simple moves, a lot of them. He, he came from a long way back quite a few times. Um, so, yeah, really, really good stuff from Carlos, and I really enjoyed him on the opening few laps, making it very entertaining. They had a blinder, didn't they? Uh, Ferrari in general, didn't they? Yeah, really fast. And that's why they're getting my honourable mention, uh, because Carlos Sainz, as you've just illustrated there, did brilliantly, um, and... Leclerc was doing well in third uh, in a low downfall setting bear in mind in the wet which isn't easy and if it wasn't for him staying out and being given some rather confusing radio that, that we might come on to later I think he, he probably could have netted that podium ahead of Sergio Perez and Ferrari as a result of their strong weekend have outscored McLaren so they've eaten into that that third place advantage that McLaren have so it's going to be a tight next six races or final six races of the championship between those two because Ferrari looked like they have found some speed in the last two races McLaren didn't like those long corners and that's what's going to come in the US Grand Prix for sure and Ferrari were fairly fast around Silverstone too and you you've got to at least say the first sector is is kind of like that that Maggots and Beckett section with long high-speed corners at the US Grand Prix. So that will be interesting to see that develop. So my honourable mention goes to Ferrari, but Carlos Sainz in particular. Maybe that's greedy to say too, but I think Joe will be pleased with my decision after his strong argument that Carlos Sainz should be Mr. 
honourable mention. I have listened to you, Joe, and therefore I've gone with that. What about you? Um, I'm going to cause major controversy on the podcast. Oh my um, goodness! I'm going to I'm going to give my honourable mention to Red Bull. I'm seeing no. Jimmy's face go. Uh, look, we don't give Red Bull a lot of uh, a lot of love on this podcast. No, we don't for good reason. On a on a weekend where um, they were cl- they were clearly the second fastest car this weekend. Clearly, even yeah. even Jimmy can't argue that the Mercedes was slower than the Red Bull this weekend. And they've come out of the they've 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 come out of the um, the weekend ahead in the drivers' championship and scoring more points than Mercedes. If my maths is correct. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, they've got a double podium, haven't they? Well, they've got, yeah, they've got a double podium and, yeah, Max has gained quite a few points. And I think both their drivers did a really good job. Perez in holding up Hamilton and Verstappen finishing really the highest position you could expect them to finish because that was a rocket ship of a Mercedes. So, yeah, I think all round a very good job from Red Bull this year, this weekend. Well, if you if you look at the drivers' championship uh, in the last two races, Verstappen's had a net gain of one point mm-hmm. by outscoring Hamilton by one point. Bearing in mind as well, he's also got more of a new engine than Hamilton. Hamilton's only got yeah. a little bit of a new engine, whereas Max has a full one. Yep, and that was despite mm-hmm. Hamilton having a ten-place grid penalty rather than Verstappen's yep fifty-place grid penalty. Not that there are 50 drivers on the grid, uh, so he started from the back. But you see what I mean? I I agree with you. Red Bull have done brilliantly this weekend and in the past two weekends, despite not really having the pace. So do you think that after the last two races, having looked at that, yes, Red Bull have maximised their points, but do you think that they... And, and Max Verstappen are still kind of the, the favourites, or do you think that there has been a slight swing in terms of performance? It's really hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say whether it's the track or, you know, just... It's, it's really too close to call, because, again, we've got we've got a few sort of unknown quantities on the last bit of the calendar as well that we don't really know. We, we know Mexico and Brazil generally tend to favour Red Bull, um, but mm. we don't know about some of the tracks. Um, so Qatar looks good. Is it no uh, Saudi Arabia? Sorry. Yeah, they're both they're both on there. And we, yeah. we we have no indication of which car goes better there. So we just don't we don't really have any prior form. So it's so hard to call which car is going to be better at which circuit. I say it looks like Mercedes are very very fast, but they failed to capitalize on it a little bit. And it's, it's interesting that they've found this sudden turn of speed, given that they've not had an update since Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to ask you the question that I seem to be asking you each podcast. Call it now. Who wins each championship? Go on, Jimmy, you go first. Uh, Mercedes definitely will win the uh, Constructors' Championship. I think the gap's over 30 points now. Um, so without, say, a DNF from one of the Mercedes, um, I think... I'm I'm pretty sure that um, Mercedes will win the constructors' championship. Um, it's all to play for in the drivers' championship. Um, but as I am a Lewis fan, I'm going to say Lewis will just pip Max to the post. Okay, by how many points? Three, three. Okay, and Joe? I think I'm possibly going to say Lewis now. I've been saying Max, but 
the Mercedes has... It's so annoying how me and you think the same way. Yeah. <laughs> the Mercedes has just looked... The past three races, the Mercedes has looked very good. And yes, Mercedes have failed to properly capitalise on it. But it's looking good. So... But as I say, it's very hard to predict. Do you think that Lewis will win this championship, Joe? I want a definitive answer. Right now, yes, I do. But... It seems to be changing weekly, so... Well, you heard it here first, but maybe not for the final time. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we will move on to an award that we all enjoy, and that is the AJ on the Line Line of the Week. And I'm going to begin with Jimmy on this one. So my AJ on the Line Line of the Week was a tweet that I saw on Instagram. <laughs> I, that's incredible that that's happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, that I saw on WTF1's uh, feed, and it was Aston Martin um, saying, trust me, Lewis, um, we the dries aren't yet ready or something along those lines. Um, and to put a, a bit of context to that for the listeners, uh, Seb decided to bolt on some medium tyres about, I think, three quarters of the way through the race. Some medium tyres being dry, slick, without any tread. Yeah, and um, and yeah, it didn't really go to plan for him. Bambi and Ice was an understatement, uh, and he came back and it sort of destroyed his race, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I thought that was quite funny, because uh, Hamilton was on about saying it's not too far off from the dries. Um, and And yeah, it was quite a witty thing to say. Well, they had nothing else to, to gain from that race. They might as well try and get, get some humour points. Um, but yeah, good line and a good point. I'll also have Lewis Hamilton involved in my line of the... or AJ on the line line of the weekend um, because it was Hamilton's radio message where he'd finally been told to pit by Mercedes and he'd found out that he'd lost a couple of places to Leclerc and Perez and he quite loudly and angrily said I told you and yeah I I think I like the passion he he's won a hundred races but he still wants to win more yeah I quite like the passion and I feel sorry for Bono sometimes but Bono knows that it's nothing personal it's he, he's just kind of letting it out and yeah quite liked that joe what's your aj on the line line of the week um it's sort of like a classic ferrari moment really i mean they, they seem to be the main team that have these kind of radio confusions um so charles leclerc at this point leading the race um is trying to decide whether to stay out on the tires and he asked his engineer um you know at this pace where am i going to finish his engineer just sort of comes back and says, well, if you stay where you are, you'll win the race. It's like, he knew that. He knew that. What he was trying to ask was, how many cars are going to overtake me at this pace? But, yeah, it was just <laughs> poor communication, but it's hilarious. So, Why yeah. do you think that they speak in English rather than Italian? Do you think that that's... Something that they're told that they have to do. I'm not sure, really, but... I think so, yeah, because otherwise you need, like, multi... They'll, like, learn a language, like a really niche language. 
and nobody will ever know what they're speaking. Even they could create their own language. I seem to remember Alonso speaking Italian on the radio back in, um, when he was in Ferrari to try and code the messages. But there's not really much point in doing that because there will be someone that speaks that language in the team mm. or the opposition team somewhere. So, yeah, I m- maybe it's just English is the, the lingua franca, I think, mm-hmm. is, is the term where... Most people know English, so they stick with that. But you're right, Ferrari do tend to fall in that trap, and it was a brilliant statement of the obvious there. <laughs> if you can keep Bottas behind, you'll win. It's like, yeah, I know, I'm in first. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be frustrated, wouldn't you? But Leclerc, I think, looking back, he's the sort of person that would just laugh at it. Mm-hmm. He's got quite a good sense of humour. Plenty to choose from, as usual, despite the race not being a thriller. So that was your Turkish Grand Prix. But we're not finished because, as ever, we look into our crystal balls and we look to the US Grand Prix. And we will begin with our sensible predictions, uh, led by Jimmy. Um, My sensible prediction is a... um, Lewis win. uh, Simply because um, over the... Last few years, he's won the title at Circuit of the Americas, um, and his um, his it's it's a track that he really likes. He really likes the US, so I think it's a win for for Hamilton. He's only ever lost to Finns at the Circuit of the Americas, hasn't he? Once to Raikkonen and once to Valtteri Bottas. Surely Seb won in twenty thirteen. Oh, and a German. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't work, does it? Mm. Ah. Europeans, there you go. He's only lost to Europeans. <laughs> yeah, that's that's as nearly as obvious as the statement made by Leclerc's engineer some moments ago. Yeah, it's accurate though. Accurate. Yeah, it is accurate. You're right, Jimmy. I could I could be on the uh, pit wall for Ferrari. You really would. But yeah, you're right. It's a track that really suits Hamilton. So you can see him winning. I can see a Ferrari podium as my sensible prediction. As I was explaining earlier, I think Ferrari have a pace advantage over McLaren. If something goes up with one or two of the Mercedes or Red Bulls, a Ferrari's in there. And if Perez doesn't perform, then a Ferrari is also in there. Uh, Because, yeah, Perez doesn't always come top four. Although he can be useful in other areas, as, as shown this weekend. Joe, what is your sensible prediction? I agreed with the... James, uh, the Austin tracks one, Lewis seems to always do well at. He always seems really pumped up for that race. Um, and Christian Horn has been saying, you know, it's, it's Hamilton territory. Um, and I'm inclined to agree with him. So, and the Mercedes does look very fast. So, yeah. Jimmy, what do you think about Joe agreeing with Christian Horner on something? Well, he's agreeing with oh, Christian Horner as well. So, yeah, am I? That's wrong, isn't it? I can't do that. I can't agree with Christian Horn, and that'd be mental. Yeah, what on earth they're playing at? You know that Jimmy stopped putting his hands on his hips because that's what Christian Horner does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't do it anymore. Yeah. Although I, I've noticed since you said that, whenever Christian Horner's or Red Bulls had a bad day, he puts his hands behind his back. <laughs> instead. Oh dear, really? Yeah. I can't, oh dear, I'm running out of places to put my hands. Well, if you can think of somewhere that Jimmy can put his hands, please do put it below in the comments and 
I'm sure he'll listen to you. Um, I will do. But yeah, I I can see Hamilton probably winning there too. Uh, If Hamilton wins and Verstappen comes second with the fastest lap, that means five races to go, level on points. So from a neutral's perspective, that would be simply supreme if that takes place. Whether it does happen, I don't know. And also... If Hamilton wins in Austin, I can see him doing it with time to think about the fastest lap. It's one of those races where you, if you win, you, you win it well, um, in my opinion. Anyway, we need to talk about our Banzai predictions for the US Grand Prix. Joe, we'll begin with you. I'm going to go for an Aston Martin podium. You madman. Yeah, I, wow. I think they're going to come out of nowhere and get on the podium because, you know, they, they've had a couple this year. Well, no, I think they've had one and the other one was taken away. Um, but, yeah, um, but, they, but they've quietened down a bit and I, I just got a feeling that, that one of them's going to, you know, profit from someone else's misfortune. And, uh, yeah, Aston Martin are going to end up on the podium. If you had to call who it would be, who are you going to pick of the two drivers? We'll go with Seb. Of course it would be Seb. Did you know... Lance Stroll's last name is not actually Stroll. I did know that. I found that out about half an hour ago. Um, same. So, so we probably saw the same tweet. Are you going to reveal what it is? It's, uh, it's Lance Strolovich, isn't it? Yes. What a revelation that is. He's also half Belgian, like Lando Norris. Is he Russian as well? No, I don't know where the name comes oh, from. Right. Yeah. Maybe you can you can do that investigation, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, interesting. Anyway, m- while Jimmy's investigating that, I will give you listening wherever you are my Banzai prediction, and that is that Pierre Gasly is going to outscore the whole Red Bull team. Fwah! I know. I don't know how it'll happen, but all that needs to happen is that Hamilton and Verstappen get together. Verstappen doesn't finish. Perez finishes. Pierre finishes, and yeah, Pierre usually finishes ahead of Perez, or quite often does anyway. I'm not going to say usually because that's a bit harsh, but yeah, I I can see something random like that happening. And yeah, I want to see Pierre Gasly do well. I always do. I think he's a great driver. And I was asked by someone at the weekend if Daniel Ricciardo left McLaren who would I hire? I would hire Pierre Gasly. It's a good shout, to be fair. Mm, it is. Very because good he's shout. got nowhere to go, a red ball, and he, I think he'd be great at McLaren. Anyway, Daniel Ricciardo's staying at McLaren despite uh, another disappointed weekend. But what is going to happen is Jimmy's going to tell us whether Lance Strolovitz is Russian. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't know that. He's not going to tell us. But you can find that out yourselves. Um, but what he is going to tell us is his Banzai prediction for the US Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. Uh, my Banzai prediction uh, for the Russian Grand Prix in Texas is... Um, the Russian Grand Prix? <laughs> the Cold War went very differently to how I remember. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, yeah. My Banzai prediction for the um, USA Grand Prix is that there will be a Pierre Gasly podium. That could be an intriguing thing if he does finish on the podium alongside a Ferrari 
and an Aston Martin driver. So anyway, thank you very much for listening and thank you to Joe and Jimmy for your insight. For more content, head over to ajontheline.com and whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else, please do leave us a rating and a comment and tell us who is going to win this championship with six races to go. This was your Turkish Grand Prix race review. My name's Adam and thank you for listening.